Hi everybody, you're listening to The Woke Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk. We strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to our episode zero on safety and consent in rope before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom. We are long-term rope partners who live in Bangkok, Thailand. We love to share our passion for rope with the wider community. Today's episode is sponsored by you, our lovely listeners. Thank you so much for our patrons who make this podcast possible by supporting some of the costs. If you'd like to help us make more Rope Podcast episodes, please go to ropepodcast.com and visit our Patreon. Today, Maya received a listener's mail from Absent Minded from Canada, and I've decided to uh, pronounce it Absent the French way, even though we might pronounce it Absinthe, I'm not sure. Uh, let's hear their question. Hi, Fox and Maya. Thank you for taking my listener question. Um, my question today has to do about a particular subject, uh, specifically diabetes in rope. Um, do you have any advice or additional safety precautions that uh, sort of immediately stand out as ways that we can, as a top or bottom, um, mitigate any extra risk uh, that may be associated with playing uh, while having this disability? Um, and I guess part two of the question would be, um, since it's pretty impractical to dedicate an episode to each individual who uh, would need to make adjustments based on their personal health, um, I know that in previous podcasts you've mentioned um, scientific research um, and the benefits of looking there. Um, do you have any tricks to places where you can access it or specifically in trying to apply research to rope? Um, because as far as I know, with my limited Google skills, um, there's probably lots of kinky researchers, but not a lot of kinky research grants floating around there. So um, it seems to be a pretty underexplored area. Uh, thanks for taking my question again. And I'm looking forward to your responses. So Maya, that's uh, interesting. And I think we should take a minute to recognize that it's relevant to more people that we might think at first, because you listener might be thinking, well, I don't have diabetes and my partner doesn't have diabetes. So this episode doesn't apply to me, but I don't think that's the case. Yeah, I think that actually you never know when you might meet someone with diabetes and having some basic knowledge uh, a way of discussing it is going to help you feel more comfortable navigating that, say, a rope jam uh, or a course or, or something where you meet new people. So good to be prepared. Always. All right. Uh, first of all, Maya, for anything medical, and that's not only diabetes, that's any kind of um, health situation that you feel might have an impact on your rope practice. Uh, the question you need to ask yourself is, can you risk being open about it to your primary physician? Absolutely. And that depends on a variety of things, right? 
Yeah, depending on the part of the world you live in, it could be illegal to practice BDSM and you might even get reported for abuse and so on. So it's not always possible to be open to your doctor about your kink. And also understanding how educated your um, medical practitioner is likely to be, depending on the country and the place that you live. Mm -hmm. So that being said, if you feel that talking about it to your doctor is within your risk profile, then it's best to be as open as possible so that you can get the best medical advice from that professional. And that advice can then be tailored to the details of your individual situation because everyone's different and everyone's health issue is going to be a little bit different. But if no, then how do we deal with that? What I would do, I think, is I would try to find a vanilla activity that is as similar as possible in terms of demands and risks um, to rope. And so I could use something like aerial yoga, aerial silks, or maybe rock climbing. Rock climbing is probably better for tops, aerial yoga, aerial skills better for bottoms, do you think? For instance, or depending on the culture and what uh, gender roles are in that culture, maybe if you're a guy, they look at you funny when you say aerial sales. I don't think they should, but I understand that different parts of the world have different uh, degrees of awareness around gender roles and so on. Okay, okay. Um, that being said, um, we are not medical practitioners and we want to um, share that with the audience. Yes, nothing we say today constitutes medical advice or legal advice, as always. That's quite important because we, we always think it's best to check things if you can, but we're going to share some ideas um, from our experience, uh, from your medical training, of which you've had a little bit, um, and... Think about how you can mitigate the risks of diabetes during role play. Yeah, I think it's important to listen to this episode with your critical brain turned on. And we're just going to say what we would do, but you don't have to make the some, this, all the same choices we make. You can just use them for inspiration and as a, a starting point in your research. So the pre-play negotiation seems uh, a good place to start to talk about diabetes with a partner. I would say so. I would say that's true of anything medical. And the more information you can exchange between the partners, the better, in my opinion, within the realm of what each person is uh, comfortable with. So what might that include? Things like how stable is the condition at the moment? How is it being managed? Uh, what might come up? How could it impact the scene? How would one know if uh, there is a medical emergency happening? What would be the signs? And one thing I'm quite keen on is having a plan in case of a health emergency. And honestly, that applies even if you don't have diabetes, you don't have anything, but you foresee that medical problems can happen to anyone at any time. Where's the medical center where we're going to go? How are we going to get there? Who will pay for treatment? Is there medical insurance involved or are we paying out of pocket? Like those things, it's a lot better to figure it out beforehand, I feel. Because you don't want to be having to make those decisions on behalf of someone else in an emergency. You do not. And if already you have to deal with a bad outcome in your rope, like someone got injured, if you also have to have difficult conversations, yeah, it doesn't make it any easier. I think it's uh, useful to listen back to episode 28 about negotiation for rope in this context. Yeah, I would agree. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. 
listeners like you make this podcast possible. We want to continue making this podcast for you for a long time. And to do that, we need your support. Please go to ropepodcast.com to buy rope video lessons from experts so we get a small commission on your purchase at no extra cost to you. In addition, a really great way to help us is donating on Patreon. A one-time amount or a monthly pledge that can be as little as the cost of your morning coffee makes a big difference to us. And you will gain cool perks like behind-the-scenes photos and the ability to vote on future podcast topics. Go support us on ropepodcast.com because you love rope too. So um, let's just ground ourselves in what is diabetes? Okay. So diabetes is a chronic condition, so it's not something you catch and a week later you are better. It's something you're going to have for a long time. And it is the ability of your body to regulate the level of sugar in your blood being compromised. So our body is doing what's known as maintaining homeostasis. So it's trying to keep a number of things stable so that you can stay alive. And that includes your temperature and the oxygen in your blood. And in this case, the amount of sugar in your blood, because the cells of your body need sugar to function and stay alive. And if you have too, too little sugar, it's not good. And if you have too much sugar, it's really not good either. So how's it managed? Usually people with diabetes will monitor their blood sugar regularly. And if it's too high or too low, they might have uh, to inject certain substances like insulin or glucagon, or they might have to adjust their diet or have a sugary snack and so on. All right. And we'll link to an article with a bit more information in the show notes, as well as the CDC's article on diabetes. Um, it's worth noting there are two types, type 1 and type 2. Uh, type 1 um, is only about 5 to 10% 5 to of those people who have diabetes. And that is more serious in that your body just stops making insulin. Uh, so you have to take it every day to survive. Whereas with type 2, which is about 90 to 95% of people, uh, your body doesn't use insulin well. So that can vary a lot more. Mm. So the challenge with diabetes, Maya, is that it can lead to a number of secondary issues in the body. And that's where the relevance to rope is going to be the strongest. All right, so let's go through um, those issues and maybe explore what they are, what we might do about them. So what's the first one? The first one has to do with nerves. And you know that nerves is a sensitive topic in rope already. Uh, definitely, definitely. It's um, something that uh, we think about whatever body we have. Yeah. And diabetes by itself causes nerve damage over time. And that nerve damage from the diabetes is going to be cumulative with the nerve damage caused by rope. So we have two sources of nerve damage uh, overlapping, if you will. And those both those sources are over time because our nerve damage in rope uh, can also be cumulative. That's our current understanding, even though uh, more research is always welcome on the topic. We do think rope uh, does sadly cause cumulative nerve damage, yes. So how do these two issues um, overlap and what are the consequences? Well, first of all, if the bottom has nerve damage from diabetes, it can get in the way of them being able to accurately identify sensations during the scene that could help them 
detect problems as they come up. Okay, because their nerves already have some damage, and so you might get faulty signals, or you might get signals from your diabetes that are not to do with the rope, or signals from the rope that are not to do with the diabetes. Exactly, and what I would do about that is, as the top, I would be more conservative in the risk profile of the scene, so I would try to choose ties I consider to be on the safer side nerve-wise and I would keep my sessions a bit shorter and if at any point I have any doubt whereas I should end the scene now or wait a bit longer I would always lean towards ending more quickly. All right and as a bottom um, I think I would tap out faster and use my safe word more liberally so whereas I might tough it out as it were. White knuckle it. Yeah um, in some situations Without diabetes, I think if I had diabetes, then I would use my, my safe word more. So it's that if you have any doubt, then speak up as soon as possible. Yeah, I think that's uh, very fair. Other things you can do is track a lot and document a lot. So keeping a rope journal can really help with that. Yeah, if you um, have this kind of condition and any health condition, you really have to put in a lot of work as a bottom to understand your body better. And your rope journal is a great way um, of doing that. Uh, and we have an episode on that, episode 13. And in the case of absent, our listener who sent the question, they are in a long-term rope relationship with their partner. So they can do this work of documenting and finding out things over time together. Right. And that means more of a debrief afterwards, thinking about any issues that occurred, any injuries, what the position was, what the tie was, where the pressure felt to the bottom. Yeah. And another issue with the nerve damage from diabetes is it might make it more difficult to detect injuries when they have happened. And that's something we're going to talk about in a minute. Right. Um, understanding the context of the kind of injuries that rope can cause uh, is super helpful in this case. Um, again, I'm going to reference another episode. I think there's a few that were linked well to this. So episode 27 on potential rope bondage injuries, but also really educate yourself about the body, potential damage, and about your individual body and its responses to rope. Because we are diverse, um, where our nerves are can be slightly different. I couldn't agree more, Maya. Another place where diabetes might have an effect is blood circulation, in particular in the extremities, so the hands, the feet. So what's the consequence of that? Well, in general, I don't worry a lot about blood circulation in my rope scenes, but in the case of someone who has diabetes, I would be a lot more conservative because there's already not as good blood circulation to begin with. And so what I would do as a top is I would try to tie less tightly than I do usually, and I wouldn't leave the rope on for as long. Uh, my ballpark is I'm usually pretty comfortable with leaving someone tied for an hour or 90 minutes, but with someone with diabetes, I would err on the shorter side than that for sure. Uh, as a bottom, what would you do about that, Maya, the whole blood circulation aspect of things? So I would understand more, and I don't know this at the moment, what the implications of um, negative or worse blood circulation are, um, because I think that's quite important. And then I would, again, journal, how does my body recover after the rope? 
So if I have limited blood circulation, say in a futamomo, um, and I hold that on for 10 minutes, and then afterwards, it really feels like it takes a long time for my blood circulation to go back to normal, I would write that down. So really, again, try and track issues that might occur repeatedly, any particular ties, any particular positions. And if there's a comfort zone, try and find that. So if you can take uh, Futamomo for five minutes, then write that down and track it. And then in future, maybe hold it for four and a half, just so you give yourself a... Um, Baseline? Yeah, and a band of error. Okay. We're not done yet, sadly. Another issue that comes with diabetes is some people with diabetes can have difficulty healing when they have uh, cuts or abrasions to their skin and they have a higher risk of uh, those injuries getting infected. And that's quite a big issue, right? Because that can actually lead to limbs or, or digits having to be... In, in some cases, people with diabetes we get who get a cut that doesn't heal well could uh, need amputation, yes, of a finger or even like of a whole foot. It's uh, sadly not uncommon. And as we mentioned, it's a bit cumulative with the neuropathy side of things, the nerve problems, because if you don't have sensation in the limb, you might not even know the cut is there in the first place. And then you don't take care of it because you don't know it's there. All right. So from a practical perspective, what would you do as a top to, to minimize this challenge? First of all, I would seek to use a fiber, a rope type uh, that minimizes skin trauma. So not a rope that creates a lot of burn and scratches. I would probably avoid the coconut rope, for instance, and more go for, let's say, the cotton or the nylon. And in my technique, I would try to minimize abrasion. So I wouldn't do things like intentional rope burns or dragging the rope really tight against the skin. I would try to minimize that. And then after the scene, I would help my bottom identify any damage to the skin because I would take into account the fact that um, it might be more difficult for them to feel that they're injured. And maybe tap in with the bottom again um, after they've returned from rope space. Yeah, if, if I tell you, oh, you've got this laceration on your foot and you're completely spacey, you might not remember it 15 minutes later. So I might send you a text message later that day, uh, or oh, remember you have that cut on your foot, you need to take care of it. And as a bottom, I would probably do rope over clothes. So um, some people do rope with no clothes, some people do it with clothes. But clothes provide a barrier between your skin and the rope mm -hmm. and are likely to help you have less uh, lesions or abrasions. And then you would need to keep track of the lesions you do get, right? Yeah. And again, uh, tracking things that occur repeatedly and making sure that they're properly treated. So again, you know, if you normally might leave something because it doesn't seem like a big deal, getting it checked out, thoroughly cleaning it, using antiseptic, covering it. Uh, and making sure that you keep track of it until you're confident you're fully healed. Yeah, and if you know you have diabetes, you should definitely ask your doctor what the proper protocol for treating your uh, wounds should be. And as a top, this could well apply to you as well because um, you can easily damage your fingers when you're tying someone. So just again, check your hands at the end. Yeah, I do that all the time. The injuring my fingers, I mean. Mm. Um, so... Uh, the next issue is dizziness and fainting. So where does that come from and what can we do about it? So a person with diabetes might have unstable 
blood sugar levels and my understanding is that in particular if the blood sugar is going too low that can lead to dizziness and fainting which can be uh, quite dramatic and quite scary for every person involved in the scene. And it can easily be forgotten uh, low blood sugar when you're doing rope even if you're an experienced uh, rope person. Yes, in fact, uh, Miss Doctor, who is definitely a very experienced rope person, uh, has a very interesting writing that we're going to link to about a case where uh, she forgot to check her blood sugar before a rope scene and she ended up not only fainting but even having a seizure during the rope, which was probably very scary for everyone involved. Yeah, and it's a great writing and very educational um, and also really gives an explanation of what happened. So what can we do in this situation? I think having a checklist of things you do before rope is not a terrible idea and it would include general things like making sure you have a cutting tool and so on. And then on that checklist, if one of the people involved has diabetes, I would add check blood sugar, make sure a sugary snack is available, make sure insulin is available if that's part of your protocol for treating your diabetes. And understand how these things are used, because it might not be that you have to give the person insulin. It might be that um, a gummy bear or a um, sugary snack is the right thing. So making sure that both of you fully understand and you don't do something to the other person without it having been planned, pre-negotiated, etc. Honestly, if I had diabetes and knock on wood, luckily so far I do not, I would probably laminate a note that I would bring with me to parties and jams and stuff that explains what needs to be done if I faint during a scene. Like, you need to do this and not do that because depending on the situation, one person's protocol might be completely inappropriate to treat another person's diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, so having a plan, again, is really important here. Another thing I would say is I would not mess with anything during the rope scene. I wouldn't try to measure someone's blood sugar in the middle of a scene or to give them foods in the middle of a scene or to inject them with anything in the middle of the scene. If anything, if there's the first suspicion that something's going wrong, I would end the scene, untie, then do whatever needs to be done. I wouldn't mess with doing both things at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also going to link to a great article from Shay Blondie on what to do when someone faints in rope, which has a specific paragraph on um, diabetes. And she actually says if if someone passes out or is confused as a diabetic, assume they do have low blood sugar, but don't give them insulin. Um, so if they're awake enough to drink something, give them something with sugar, like juice, uh, check their blood sugar if you can. Um, But be aware that signs of low blood sugar can be weakness, shaking, sweating, uh, anxiety, dizziness, and it can be very dangerous. So um, getting medical professionals urgently um, may well be the right thing to do. And once again, I would say get out of the rope first and remember that a human life is more valuable than even your most expensive set of ropes. So cut them out if you have to, like. It should never be an hesitation in case of medical emergency, like cut the rope and you can always buy more rope, but you can't replace the person. 
Mm. Another potential issue for people with diabetes, more with type 1 diabetes, as I understand, is they might have an implanted glucose monitor. So these are very small. Um, the smallest is the size of two stacked US pennies, which is which is very small. Um, but they might be implanted in the person's body. So abdomen, arms, back of arms, buttocks. And bear in mind that the, the person who has the implant could feel quite self-conscious or sensitive about it. I understand the self-conscious aspect, but I still think it's important to disclose it because the rope could damage, destroy, or mess with the working of that device. And the top can, to some extent, mitigate that by trying to not put rope next to it or on it. But I wouldn't trust the device to work properly during a rope scene because the pressure from the rope can cause it to read wrong results or stuff like that. So I would be, uh, I would be wary about that. Mm-hmm. And again, have a plan about what you're going to do if it gets damaged, because that might uh, impact the results you get, as you said, for the um, blood sugar readings. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, on, on the subject of uh, fainting and dizziness, let's remember that tops can have diabetes too. And if the top faints, say during a suspension, it's a really, really, really good idea to have a spotter available that will either untie or cut out the bottom if the top becomes incapacitated. Yeah, that's a great idea. And if you're at a jam, then uh, you may want to tell the organizers of the jam that one of you has diabetes so that they understand uh, the risks. Yeah, I think that's really important. Uh, Using the support of the community you have to reduce the risks and mitigate them seems really important. And then I also wanted a sort of meta challenge, which is the potential emotional sensitivity that can come up when you have a chronic health issue in rope. Um, and, And this comes up in a variety of ways. We've touched on just being sensitive, talking about it and sharing it. Uh, that can be very challenging. So preparing in advance for that as the person with diabetes can be very helpful. Um, I have some chronic health conditions and I um, have prepared already a kind of brief description of it so that I can share that in text because that feels easier for me, easier for them to process, and then they can ask questions. Yeah, I think that's very useful, Mike. And it can also be super frustrating, and I share this from very personal experience, to limit your play because of a health issue. In fact, right now I am um, not super well, uh, and we are having to do less or no rope. So that can be really hard to process emotionally. And so thinking about how you manage those emotions, you know, if you've had to end a scene early um, or you're limited in some ways to a type of rope that doesn't encompass all the rope that you love um, can also be very useful. And as the partner to someone in that situation, what can one do to help? Being aware of it and maybe just holding space for any emotions that come up, not negating them, uh, not telling them it's going to be fine, just just being there for the other person and maybe asking them, you know, tell me, tell me more about it. Okay, there are two past episodes that seem relevant to that point and they are episode 96 which was our interview with Alexiel about diverse bodies in rope and also episode 109 which was chronic pain. Mm-hmm. Um, another perhaps more sensitive issue um, is that 
if you're a person with diabetes and you share that information with someone else, they also have a right to their feelings about your chronic health issue. What does that look like? Well, that means that they might decide not to play with you because of their own ignorance about a topic. So, for example, in terms of diabetes, maybe they don't feel educated enough, comfortable enough to play with you when you have that health condition and it's out of their risk profile. Um, that's their right. They are, have a right to their own boundaries, their own risk profile. Now, what we do hope is that they do this kindly um, and, and hopefully honestly. But I, I know that this can feel very tough to process and like a rejection. Um, so I had an experience recently where someone um, wanted to do wasn't comfortable doing a suspension with me because of a neck issue. And that there was a moment there when I felt a bit um, uncomfortable or sad or disappointed uh, and had to just process that uh, feeling. So be aware of that. I mean, honestly, if you have a chronic health issue, you are probably well used to managing the emotions that come up around it. But be aware that it might bring up some new issues, new challenges um, because of uh, rope. Okay, very interesting. So Maya, let's move on to the second half of Absinthe's question, which was about kink research, research about kink and how to find it. What are your thoughts on that? Well, my first thought is that he's right. Um, this is something that is not well available, but there are some resources out there. Um, there are some people we know that we can point him towards. So who would they be, folks? Uh, if I recall, we had this really nice interview with Ropeology in episode 110, and we also have the eternal Cookie Monster, who I think uh, just came up with a new book recently, right? Yeah, we haven't got it yet, but I'm excited to read it. Um, so we'll link to both of their uh, profiles, FetLife profiles, in the um, show notes and to the episodes that we did with them. Uh, they both have writings on their uh, profiles which link to further research. Um, I also have a, um, a writing on my personal profile which has some BDSM-related research books. I'll link to that. Um, and I'm very interested if people have more books on the topic that are come from an academic context because I think the more in this area, the better. But it is limited. Mm. And if uh, anyone has a cohort of rope bottoms that happens to be in Bangkok, I'll be happy to do some research of my own to help the effort. So thanks again to Absent for sending us a really interesting question. And I know they say in their message that we're not going to do an episode about every single medical condition possible. And I get that, but we're very happy to dedicate this episode to diabetes. And if our listeners have challenges with other health conditions that impact their rope, we're very happy to cover those as well. So to summarize what we said today, it's really helpful if you have a trusted, discreet medical professional to consult. And if you do, then please use them. But we understand that's not going to be everyone's case. Uh, we hope the advice we gave today will be helpful. Remember, this is just opinions from people who are not medical professionals and do not know your individual situation. If you encounter someone with a health condition, be it diabetes or something else, talk to them about it a lot. The more you know, the fewer risks you will both be taking, but also be sensitive in the way that you speak to them about it, because it can be quite emotional. 
And as a person with diabetes, I think making sure that you share as openly as you feel comfortable, particularly with anyone you're doing this dangerous activity of work with, is very critical. And also connect with the community. So diabetes is quite common, uh, particularly in um, North America. And it's very likely that quite a few people around you also have diabetes. So building community with other people with diabetes can be very helpful in educating yourself and supporting you. And lastly, please don't feel like health conditions exclude you from the world of rope. It does take some extra care to mitigate some of the risks, but it's worth it. And Maya and I have at least four chronic health conditions between the two of us, and it does affect our rope, but we will never let that stop us from enjoying rope together. So manage your risks, but remember to have a lot of fun as well. So that's all from us at the Rope Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And also come friend us on our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, where our name is also Rope Podcast. If you have a question related to rope, we'd love to answer it in one of our future episodes. Drop us a message on FetLife or Instagram. If you like this podcast and would enjoy more episodes, find all the ways to support us on our website, ropepodcast.com. In particular, please consider supporting us directly on our Patreon page. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.